as far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a cutlass, your host, Davram! Talk Radio. This episode of Pirate Talk Radio is sponsored by one of our wonderful patrons, Jack Bull. Thank you very much for your tier of, of support and also sponsoring this episode. We've got a lot going on right now. We've got the Pendragon versus Flameheart feud boiling up all over social media. Um, we've got the you know the adventures going on. People are taking part. And as of the only update that we've had since it started, which we'll get into, right now the forces of Flameheart are winning. So we'll talk about the adventure. I did get to finally play it. Uh, it was stupid early in the morning, and it's just been... You can probably hear in my voice, I, I've been under the weather, um, work's been crazy, it's just been an absolute mess, and, and the sickness and all that stuff, but I did get to play through it because I wanted to be able to give the review of the adventure in this episode, so I apologize again, this episode's getting out a little bit later than I wanted it to, um, but uh, quite frankly, you probably didn't want to hear me sniffling and blowing my nose and coughing, and it would probably take me forever to record this episode um, had I recorded it earlier in the week. Um, like I usually do, um, but it was just unnecessary. So bear with me. You may sit, hear some sniffling and I apologize. It's just, it's, it's that time of the year and it's, it's just, it's not pleasant for me. <laughs> the other thing I want to do before we get too far into it is, um, I know here in the United States, I don't know around the world, but here in the United States, I want to uh, thank and wish everyone um, a happy Veterans Day. Thank you very much to all those who uh, served in the military or you had a family member or friend uh, serve in the military, past, present, and if you're planning in the future, thank you very much for your service to the country. Um, I, I know I have several friends and family members who are either in or have went through the military. It's definitely a service that I could never do. Um, it's it's an amazing uh, commitment that they have, dedication that they have to that, um, and also a huge sacrifice both for their friends, their family, and, of course, themselves. So happy Veterans Day to everyone. Um, again, I do not know uh, how other countries celebrate, um, if they do celebrate, or in my mind, every day is Veterans Day and Memorial Day because those folks go above and beyond and, and unfortunately lose their lives out there defending uh, the country and defending, uh, um, you know, uh, freedoms and things like that. So, again, uh, happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there, their family and their friends. And before we get into the Sea of Thieves stuff, I, of course, want to take a moment and thank the wonderful, notorious, and glorious patrons, Registella Lane, Skamelt666, Jack Bull, the sponsor of this uh, episode, and Blade X Life. Thank you very much for supporting my content and Pirate Talk Radio uh, through your financialness on the patron. If you would like to become a patron and maybe even sponsor an episode yourself, head over to patreon.com slash 
slash Davram TV. Monthly prices start as low as $1 and you get a custom feed of this podcast, which means you can listen to the podcast before all the other plebs out there, the freebies out there. There's nothing wrong with that, but um, you get the episode before everyone else and you can enjoy it and, and things like that, along with some other perks based on the level that you choose to subscribe to. But again, thank you to the patrons and your continued support of the content. All right, let's get into the adventure. I was able to play it. Um, uh, uh, the thoughts that I have on this. Um, the trailer had me hyped up a lot. Uh, I talked about it last week. Um, it had me hyped a lot. But uh, I, I can't say that the adventure lived up to the hype and it didn't live up to my expectations. Um, I think you'll hear that in the scoring. Um, again, we we have the scoring rubric that we came up for the last adventure and that we'll be using for ventures, uh, adventures moving forward. Um, I don't know. It was it was it was a thing. Um, I think, again, and I've talked to multiple people on both sides of this argument. I think there's arguments to be made on both sides. Uh, but this is, again, just like uh, Golden Sands. It is it is supposed to be a battle. A battle between two sides, a battle between theoretically good and evil, a battle between Pendragon losing his soul to the fair, to the Sea of the Damned, or a battle um, where you're fighting uh, for Flameheart to get him into the sea or to, to stop him and keep him in the uh, Sea of the Damned for now. And I think that is where we'll start. I think that is the biggest disappointment I have here. Because regardless of which side of this battle you're on, if you're on the side of Pendragon and the mustached man, or you're on the side of Flameheart and the bearded skeleton man, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. This When it came to Golden Sands and, and hearing about Golden Sands' destruction, it was either it was going to be destroyed or it wasn't going to be destroyed. Now, of course, there was a lot of us speculating that they would turn it into something so it wouldn't just, you know, be a a hole in the ground or uh, be something that's claimed by the sea. We all speculated it would turn into something, but it was, it was presented in such a way that either you save the beloved outpost or you lose it. Um, and this one in the hype trailer was portrayed as either uh, Flameheart is gone or Pendragon is gone. That, that was how it was portrayed. And as we dive into it, even when you're just looking at the deeds, it completely counters that entire push pull of this adventure because in the deeds, it states that a victory for Pendragon is only temporarily stopping Flameheart and that his, his return is inevitable. And throughout the adventure, you hear that you read that in the journals and, and experience that through, through the characters in that even if Pendragon wins this time and we keep Pendragon in the sea of thieves and not banished to the sea of the damned Flameheart is still coming back. So for me, that was a big disappointment. The, 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 the choice was said to be on, um, on the official Sea of Thieves podcast, a gut-wrenching community decision that determines the fate of beloved characters. And sure, Pendragon is a beloved character. Flameheart's even a beloved character with some folks. But it's not determining the fate 
of of two characters or multiple characters. It's determining the fate right now from what we can see of one character. Flameheart's coming back regardless. That is what the text and that is what the verbiage of this adventure has told us. The only character that we're fighting for right now is Pendragon. That's the only character that we are that that, that the adventure legitimately says this character will be banished to the Sea of the Damned for the foreseeable future or potentially forever. But Flameheart the other side of the coin, the bad side, if you will, is still going to come back and his return is inevitable. So it really comes down to a choice of do you want to save Pendragon or do you want to speed up the return of Flameheart so we can theoretically speed up getting rid of him and moving on to a better villain? That's really what it's come down to. And it sucks. It, it honestly sucks. It, it is not a good decision choice. It is not at all. Um, and look, look, here's the thing. I had a lot to say about the, the lost sands. I had a lot, of, a lot to say about golden sands. I had a lot to say about that because it was supposed to be a war and it never felt like a war. It felt like a series of merchant Alliance missions. And that's what it felt like. But at least at the end of the day, the choice was the golden sands gets destroyed or we rebuild it or it, it, you know, it stays, it, it's going to be part of the rebuild storyline. In this, it's like, well, just throw your hands up in the air. If you don't like Flameheart and you fight for Pandragon, well, guess what? It doesn't matter. Flameheart's still going to be here. Flameheart's still going to return. If you like, uh, if you like Flameheart and and you don't like Pandragon, well, then choose Flameheart because you can get him back faster. But getting Flameheart back faster just means that we're going to eventually get to a point where we're going to have to battle him in some sort of way and put him to rest, put him to bed, put him down. I mean, I don't think Sea of Thieves right now has a good villain and hasn't had a good villain for a long time. Uh, Flameheart is not a good villain. He always loses at some point. He always loses. And more so, he was a, a shit-talking head in the sky that people don't want to see come back in that th that that way. Um, I know there's a lot of folks out there that like the Flameheart character, but I can tell you if they introduced a much better, more dynamic, more interesting villain, I bet you anything people would just leave Flameheart to go. Like, oh, bye, bye, buddy. This is a better, more interesting, more cool villain than you. So we're going to move on to the next guy. And I think that's what Sea of Thieves is struggling with right now. They do not have a villain cooked up. That is more dynamic and more interesting than, than Flameheart. They've got villains out there that could be more dynamic and more interesting than Flameheart, but I don't think they're spending the time right now um, to focus on those. In my mind, Wanda is a more interesting villain right now. In my mind, Duke is a more interesting villain right now. In my mind, Amaranta is a more interesting villain right now. In my mind, the Captain, who we've never seen and just hear whispers of on the wind, is a more interesting villain right now than Flameheart. Hell, hell, the, the East India Trading Company or, you know, the version of it here, the Grand Maritime Union is a more interesting villain than Flameheart. The sovereigns, for God's sakes, we don't know if they're good, bad or indifferent, is a more interesting group than Flameheart. Flameheart is lame. Flameheart is boring. Flameheart is stale. And no matter what we do as a community right now, Flameheart is still going to come back. 
We cannot get rid of this turd. This turd will not flush. And I don't think Rare wants this turd to flush. They have put a lot of effort and a lot of energy and a lot of time into Flame Art. From the floating head event to the burning blade event. From Seabound Soul all the way to Heart of Fire. From everything in some of these adventures, they have spent a lot of time to make a good villain. And they have not made a good villain. At one point, Flameheart was a good villain. I would say back in Seabound Soul, Heart of Fire, Flameheart was a good villain. It was interesting. We we mistakenly brought the skull to Pendragon, who released it up in the sky. That was interesting. That was a big moment. But then because of the long amount of time that has went on between Heart of Fire, Seabound Soul, and now... It's just gotten stale. It's like we have left the dessert tray or the crackers out on the table for a month and said, hey, look, you guys should come back and enjoy this. No, it's stale. We don't want it. And and on just on the opposite side of Pendragon. Pendragon has had some of the most epic moments and epic speeches in Sea of Thieves history from everything from Seabound Soul to to um, to Pirate's Life to now with Herald of Flame and now into this epic moment where he's sacrificing himself in order to delay Flameheart, not stop Flameheart, but delay Flameheart. He's willing to sacrifice himself. Those are epic moments. But again, a character that in all honesty has failed multiple times as the champion assaults and a character that just keeps being drug along for a long time. Now, is he more interesting and more in my mind dynamic than Flameheart? Abso-fucking-lutely. But he is still stale. He has he has been doing this for a long time. And people have asked me, Davram, who do you think would be a better narrator or a better uh, pusher of the story forward if you want to get rid of Pendragon and if you want to get rid of uh, like Flameheart? It's not the Pirate Lord. The Pirate Lord is stale as well. The Pirate Lord has been there for a long time. Now, he hasn't had uh, the epic moments as as Pandragon has in the more recent history. He had the epic moment at the end of the mystery, if you actually did that. But that wasn't a forced thing that everyone had to go through. The Pirate Lord is kind of, I guess, how I view it, kind of the guide, um, right, for new players. That is kind of the guide. But he kind of fades into memory. Now, again, he's part of the of the captain ship when you when you purchase your ship he's obviously part of the new athena missions but in general he just kind of sits in the background um you know the leader of the athena uh, faction um the leader of the good side of the pirates but no that is not a good choice merrick nope not a good choice he's already had his highlights and he's now resting uh, peacefully in the tavern um in the pirate legend hideout so who is it who do you think that should be the next Pendragon, the next person to have these epic moments and really push the story forward? I will say Bell. Bell has had opportunities recently to push the story forward and be a good epic moment um, uh, character. 
And I think they've given her that a little bit. They've also held her back a little bit in story design. Uh, for example, uh, when we were going into the Sunken Kingdom for the relics, that was a very boring adventure. It wasn't pushed forward. Um, um, Belle just kind of took a back seat. But then again, she also had an epic moment uh, with the Dark Brethren uh, when they had Merrick and you were standing on the Sea Dog Tavern dock. She had a really epic moment there. And I think with a little bit of help, they could push Belle into the next kind of good guy leader of Sea of Thieves. And on the reverse side, I think just with a little bit of extra oomph, they could push the Dark Brethren into a next good bad guy group of Sea of Thieves or pick one, Duke, Amaranta, whatever. But the problem is they're not willing to pull that trigger. They're not willing to rip that ripcord and give the bad guys a, a, a win, right? So many times in movies, in, in books, in comic books, right? That's what we expect. We expect the good guy to go into battle, maybe struggle a little bit, but at the end, win, right? But over a long narrative, let's say comic book series, let's say uh, um, uh, movies that, that span across multiple um, um, versions, right? The bad guys are going to have their day and they're going to get some wins. In Sea of Thieves, the bad guys don't win. Look at the Gold Hoarder. The Gold Hoarder had all this gold. We invaded the the uh, the shores of gold. We beat him up. We beat him down. We destroyed him just for Davy Jones to bring him back in a pirate's life, for him to get beat again in his one moment. Now he's a lollipop. Right. I think Sea of Thieves needs to get off this this horse of when we do an adventure, when we do an adventure, the good guys have to win. The good guys always have to win. And sure, people might say, well, community decision, community decision. We could have lost Golden Sands. Ah, we didn't. We haven't seen the bad guys win. Oh, but what about what about Merrick when Amaranta, uh, you know, killed Merrick? Eh, did the bad guys really win? It set up a pretty epic moment there. And that would probably be the closest the bad guys have ever been to winning. But then you flip around and you do the next one where we go into the Sea of the Damned and we had a very lackluster, really bad adventure where the Dark Brethren just sat up on top of a spire and commanded a whole bunch of useless phantoms down to attack us. It didn't set them up as a good bad guy group. It really set them up as uh, we don't really care about what's going on here. We're just, you know, we're just here. And I think see if these really struggles with the villain side of of writing. They they have these really epic moments with the good guys from the pirate lord of the mystery to Pandragon in in Seabound Soul and and uh, uh, um the pirate's life from bell. Uh, the moment when Amaranta was stealing, um, uh, Merrick away and had him in the sea of the dam with the gold hoarder stuff. They do really well at writing these epic moments for good guys, but they do not write good, bad guy story. And that's really disappointing because that's what we need right now. We need a really good bad guy. And ladies and gentlemen, Flameheart is not it. Flameheart is not it. He has ran its course. He has ran his course. He is boring. And yeah. And so people are probably wondering at this point, Davram, which side are you on? Let me tell you which side I'm on. Okay. I'm on my side. But Davram, which adventure side did you do more? <clears throat> I did the Flameheart side more. And I'll tell you why. First off, if Flameheart wins, we get rid of the stale character of Pendragon in hopes that they write uh, another good character into that epic moment role. 
<clears throat> we also get Flameheart back into the Sea of Thieves quicker so that we can then fight him and banish him and he can be gone like the Gold Hoarder, hopefully turning him into another lollipop and we can move on to a better good villain. So that is why I'm on the side of Flameheart. It has nothing to do with me wanting Flameheart to be around. It has nothing to do with me wanting Flameheart in the Sea of Thieves. It has everything to do with get him back, get him back sooner, get him back quick and then we can end it and get on with our lives to a hopefully better written enemy and yes in the wake of that we do lose the epicness of pandragon but hopefully that stale character that's been around for a very long time can be refreshed into another good character that's going to have even better epic moments in the future pandragon has an amazing story in the comic books and things like that absolutely amazing He's been around for a long time. He has a lot of epic moments. I think he's a cool character. I just think his time has come that he needs to take a step back and they need to push another good character to keep the game story fresh and moving forward. Same thing with, with Flameheart. We fought the Gold Order for a while. We pushed him aside. We fought Flameheart for a while. It's time to push him aside and move on to the next thing. And hopefully the writing for the next villain is actually halfway decent. So let's dive into how the adventure actually felt. So first off, the first thing I want to call kudos off, because you know me, I will call kudos when kudos are, 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 are worthy. The first thing I want to call out is good job, Rare. Good job with the Festival of the Damned. I have been in this game for a very long time, and I have criticized you and criticized you and criticized you on using old, stale, rotten leftovers and festival of the damned is one of those that was old cold and stale go get the lights light all the little torches go get the lights go do a fort of the damned every single year it was the same thing the same thing go get the colors do the fort of the damned light the beacons and all the different parts it was boring it was awful. It was fun the first time. After after the first time, no. The second year, no. The it just got really stale and boring. And Rare was notorious for that. Absolutely notorious for that. Um, thankfully, there's. It seems like they're trying to get away from that and bringing us a little bit more interesting things. Um, now. What they did with this one is very, very interesting. If you didn't notice, each of the forts out there, the um, Phantom Forts, which is what the adventure focuses around, each of them, there are six of them, were assigned a color and draped down them were banners of the color that they were assigned with the six Festival of the Damned flames that were black and they were around them. That was kind of the sigil of the um, of the banners on the different forts, and each fort was a different color. Blue, pink, purple, all the fun colors. And you could go to the top of each fort and get the flames. So if you wanted to do Fort of the Damned, sail around to six forts and go do the Fort of the Damned. You didn't have to worry about getting struck by lightning or finding a shark or blah, 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 blah. You just go around to the six forts, get all the colors, and go do the Fort of the Damned. The, the Festival of the Damned, though it didn't have any its own check marks and, and cosmetics and et cetera, et cetera this year, I thought they paid homage nicely to the Festival of the Damned and all the colored lights and, and that kind of stuff with the forts playing it right into the adventure. I thought that was good, and we didn't have to do the same stupid fort, uh, Festival of the Damned crap that we've done for years. 
The next thing that I'm going to give kudos on in this is when the Phantom Forts, the Spanish Forts, were first introduced, I was absolutely in love with them for a variety of different reasons. One, it was quick to do. So for casual players or players that didn't have a lot of time, they could hop on, they could go to a Phantom Fort, they could cash in their loot, and they could log off. It was something quick. It was something painless. It was something really easy and fun. Loved that about them. Now, season eight, I hope you're listening. Season eight, PvP season, I hope you're listening. I said, when these Phantom Forts came out, I said a really cool thing to do because they stated when you beat the Phantom Fort, it would stay yours, put in quotes. There was no way to claim them, but it would stay yours until you left for a certain amount of time. Then it would respawn into Phantoms. So it invited the idea in my head of capture the flag or capture the floor defended against other people. Really cool PVP feature. Really cool PVP thing. They haven't done it yet. They haven't done it yet until this adventure. Now, I'm not saying this adventure was chock full of PVP because in my time doing it and from what I've seen online, it has not been chock full of PVP, which is a little bit disappointing. And I think Rare could have designed this uh, adventure a little bit better to encourage that PVP, to encourage the concept of holding a fort, right? Instead of taking it and moving on, they could have encouraged holding the fort. But you get your quest from from Bell, or you get your quest from the Servant of Flame, and you get your little checkoff list um, in your quest radial, and you get a flag. And you go and you beat the phantoms in the fort, and or you beat the ancients if you're fighting a fort that's already claimed by Bell, or you're fighting the, um, the phantom reapers if you're claiming a fort that's claimed by Flameheart. And you scale up to the top after you beat the final boss and you pull their flag down and you put your faction's flag up. And it's an absolutely epic moment. Now, is there fanfare and fireworks going off or epic music aside from the amazing fort music? If you if you don't listen to the Spanish fort music every time they're there, there's something wrong with you. The fanfare and the music that was put in for the Phantom Forts is by far just, it makes you feel alive when you're playing this game. Especially the boss wave. It absolutely feels amazing. It was. It's just, oh, it's lovely. It's amazing. But it has that moment of claiming. You lo- you actually have to lower the flag and raise your flag. And it's absolutely perfect. Here's where I think they could have done it better. You lower the enemy flag, or if you're taking a fresh fort, you raise your flag. And of course, you can collect all your little dolls and things like that. And we'll get to the dolls in a second, because I think there was a little bit of an implementation issue with those. But you lower your flag and raise the uh, flag that you're associated with. Now, how I think this should go, okay, how I think this should go. If you stay on the fort, because it is mentioned when you are taking the quest that some pirates may remain on the fort to defend it, while other pirates may sail on to attack the next. However, there is no reason for you to stay and defend it, because in the time that I did this adventure, the couple hours, that flag that I put up never dropped, and no other pirate, uh, you know went and stepped foot from what I can tell, or at least changed its color, that flag never went back or changed. 
I think what would have been more fun and more dynamic of this is if a pirate doesn't cha- doesn't stay on the fort, the second the pirate leaves the area of the fort, the fort starts to convert back. So if the fort is Flameheart, it starts to go back to neutral. If it's for Bell, it starts to go back to neutral. And the points for the winning side, Flameheart or Bell, is time. How much time was um, did you have control of the forts? So it then encourages people to attack the forts and try to turn them to your side. Because if you see one fort that's Flameheart and it's sitting there for hours upon hours, it's just racking up points, right? So the longer you can stay and defend your fort, the better it is. And what would also be interesting, and again, this would be a lot more back-end work that they would have had to do, um, which I don't think they have anywhere close to implementing. But what would be cool is like an arena system, how the arena had silver based on cannon hits. If you are attacking a fort that is claimed by Flameheart and you have the flag of Bell, for every kill you get, you get a point for your side. For every cannon hit you get, you get a point for your side. Now, yes, this would encourage spawn camp blah 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 but again we can get around that by just stopping you know if if you get a kill on someone for the next 30 minutes that kill doesn't count whatever if you sink a ship you get 10 points or whatever they could have utilized a system like that the problem is we don't know how many points and we don't know the criteria of this adventure golden sands at least we had a general idea we're doing merchant quests and we could log into their website and though it wasn't really didn't seem real time We could see the color of the picture change. We could see things in the world happening that was changing. In this one, we don't get any of that. We don't get a a tracker that shows how far each side is ahead. We got one update that was a tweet one week into it that says Flameheart's winning, and that's all it said. It didn't say by how much. It didn't say, you know, the exact digits. And I know some people argue the fact that it wouldn't matter if we had, uh, uh, you know, numbers, right? It wouldn't matter. People are going to play it the way they want to play it. But it does matter because there are people out there on Twitter and there are people out there on social media that are clearly trying to sound the war horn and trying to get their side to log in and do more. If they had some sort of real time ticker that they could call upon and say, look, we are 500 points down. Let's go. Let's turn the tides and start to move that and actually have a a in real time digital will they know that every doll they turn in gets them a point no they're not going to know that but if they can see a percent ticker that keeps moving back and forth with actual digits of points on each side like oh 1,762,502 points on this side versus this and they can see those count those numbers constantly rolling and changing and going back and forth they can actually utilize that to maybe get some invigorated um, and get some blood back into their side and try to push it. Right now, they have no idea. We don't know where Flameheart stands, except for that moment in time when they 
told us where it stands. We don't know where Pendragon stands. We don't know how close it is because we don't see those kind of digits. And I know some people, again, are against that. But in my mind, if you want to engage your audience and trying to get them to replay your adventure and trying to get them to engage in player interaction at these forts, then show them how much they have to do to catch up or show them how much in the lead they are so they have to defend that lead right it's a competitive thing it's a competitive thing it's supposed to be a war it's supposed to be one side versus the other but if we don't know where the battlefield stands why fight it why fight it you're not going to march off into war into the unknown that's just stupid. Know where you stand. Know where your goal is. Know where you need to go. And Rare is still not giving us that information. And that, to me, is very sad. Because there are, there are, of course, there's all the conspiracy theories out there, and I don't blame the conspiracy theories out there, that say it doesn't matter what the community says. Rare is just going to do what Rare wants to do. It's their game. They're just giving us hope that the community decision matters and just like i'll say for golden sands i believe rare has some sort of tracking system in the back where they're tracking um engagement um on different levels and turn-ins and fort captures they're probably tracking that somehow and legitimately actually giving this to the community but in the same regards how does the community know they don't know now i did get the comment of well if it was just what rare wanted then what changed in Golden Sands would have happened already because they would have already had it programmed. Eh, maybe. Or maybe it was just easier to wait because what they really wanted to reveal for Golden Sands wasn't meant to be out until Season 8. And Season 8, Golden Sands might be a centerfold to the update. So it didn't matter which side we were on, whatever the outcome was, wasn't coming till season eight, and that's when we would see it anyways. And the same thing with this. Sure, if Flame Art wins, maybe we don't hear from him for a little bit, and then all of a sudden he, he gets introduced. Maybe if Pendragon wins, you know, or, or you know, we're not going to see a whole lot from Flameheart, but then all of a sudden he gets reintroduced because clearly he's coming back. But if the 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 community had an actual visual aid in real time to see what their efforts are doing, then Sea of Thieves, I, I think they would have nailed this adventure. They would have nailed it. A better way to engage players um, with each other, either, either PvP or PvE, joining forces or fighting each other, a way to encourage that. There is no encouragement of that in this. There is none. Because if you are a player who wants to participate in this adventure and you don't want to do PvP, or you're a player who wants to participate in this adventure and you do want to be do PvP, it doesn't matter because there's nothing that PvP brings to this adventure to push it one way or another. All that you have to do is if you're a player who doesn't want PvP, let the PvP player take the fort, let them sail off to the next fort, you go claim it. Then you sail away when they come back to fight you and you go claim another one and then they take it back and you just go back and forth. There is nothing in this adventure that encourages you or benefits you or entices you to stay behind and fight and defend your fort, except for maybe role play or the want to PVP. That's the only thing. 
But at the end of the day, someone else has to also be encouraged to PvP, and players are not being encouraged to PvP. That's just how it is. And with Season 8 on the horizon, knowing Season 8 is going to be very problematic, I think, for Sea of Thieves as far as the community's reaction. I think, in general, the community will probably like Season 8. I think the PV play players are set up to love Season 8. But there's going to be a very loud voice of players who don't like PvP. They want PvE-only servers. They love Alliance servers. They love to pay for the Alliance Patreon so they could get their, uh, their, their lead spot in line in order to do Megalodon fleets, those players are going to be outraged that an entire season is based around PvP. They're going to hate it. They're going to be just just out there just railing on Sea of Thieves. You're not going to change those folks' mind, but maybe if you gave them a reason to stick around at a fort to at least defend it, they might actually do something. They might not just run away yelling. I don't know. Maybe they will just run away yelling. We don't want to fight. We don't want to fight. We just want to hold our fort. Whatever the case is. It's a PvPVE game, and I think Sea of Thieves missed the boat on this one. They completely missed the board. The ladder went right by them. They have no real-time tracking, and they have no encouragement to stand and hold the fort. Raise the flag. Move on to the next thing. The next thing I want to talk about are the dolls. The other thing that I've seen a lot in these uh, adventures are, and I experienced this, is the dolls. The little, um, the little dark relics that you get. Now, from what I gather, you, can, you get three dark relics per fort. You get one in the final vault. I believe you get one randomly laying about, and you get one in the storage thing up above. But every fort that I've done, I've gotten three dolls from it. What I've noticed, however, though, is there's very few soul flame captains. And the only time I've actually seen a soul flame captain is when the forts are actually controlled by the phantoms. So it's a neutral fort. It's controlled by the phantoms when I pulled up the soul flame captain was there. But if I convert them from Flameheart or I convert them from Bell, there is no soul flame captain. I don't know if that's designed by choice or if it was missed. I mean, it wouldn't make sense to have a soul flame captain on a bell fort because the soul flame captains aren't part of the ancients, which are who you are ultimately um, fighting or the soul flame captains would make more sense with the reapers. But again, it has to be fair on side. So I think the only time you're going to get a soul flame captain is on a neutral fort. But again, you don't know what type of impact these dolls have. You can turn in a non-enchanted doll and you can turn in an enchanted doll. It doesn't matter. In fact, the deed itself says turn in a dark relic or an enchanted dark relic. It doesn't matter which doll you turn in. It still counts for the deed. But do those dolls actually give the side points? Don't know. We have no idea. It doesn't say what the criteria is. Maybe it's just taking the forts. Rare was not uh, very, um, they didn't give us a very good explanation on what gives the sides points. They didn't do a very good job at Lost Sands either, but Lost Sands was kind of easy to figure out. Either you blow up rowboats over there or you deliver supplies. Like, it was pretty self-explanatory. <clears throat> So I think that was a miss. The other piece that was really interesting to me is um, that was really interesting. And this revolves around the festival of the damned is when I did the reaper side, um, I picked up on this very, very closely. 
Um, I don't remember it on the bell side, but it might be there. I just wasn't focused as much on the bell side. But the verbal instructions, um, when the 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 servant of flame tells you to light the flame, take to light the flame of fate above the the um, the what is it the fort, right? Well, you can't. You can't light it. It's already lit, and it's lit based on one of the colors. So it was very interesting to me that that was part of what he said, but the flame of fate had nothing to do with the adventure. So I feel like, based on that, I feel like there was some things that they did not get implemented into this adventure in time. I feel like they wanted the Festival of the Damned and the Flames of Fate to play more of a role in this adventure and didn't get it done. The same thing is when you are on the Reapers faction run and you stop at Shipwreck Bay and you talk to Bell or you try to talk to Pendragon, they won't say anything different for you. The ancients won't pop out of nowhere and start attacking you. They just act like you're a normal pirate, even though you've declared with Flameheart and have his flag. And the same goes the opposite way as well. And I just feel like that was a miss as well. If you are representing Flameheart, Bell should, you know, Bell's going to know you're representing Flameheart. And she should very, you know, she shouldn't greet you happily. She shouldn't talk to you normally. You know, there should be different voice lines and different words that she says. Or if you get on Shipwreck Bay uh, and you're approaching Bell and you're on the Flameheart um, capture of Fort Quest, Ancient should pop up and try to force you, uh, attack you. Or maybe there's a giant bubble around the area where Bell is, and it just prevents your injury because you're on the enemy side. And this also brings me to the next thing that people brought up, um, specifically on 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 Twitter very heavily, and that is the fact that during this adventure, Reaper's hideout is obviously the turn-in point for the Flameheart side and Shipwreck Bay and the sea, uh, the, the 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 side of the uh, Black Witch is the turn-in point for Bell and Pendragon's side. This is the interesting thing. There are no world events that spawn on Reaper's hideout. There are two events that spawn on Shipwreck Bay. One being the Ashen Winds, which spawns right by the Black Witch. And the other one being <clears throat> the voyage for um, the Order of Souls ghost ships. Now, there were a lot of people out in arms and outrage with Rare that people could spawn ghost fleets around Shipwreck Bay and interrupt their turning things in, or that the Ashen Lord were going to be on Shipwreck Bay and cause them grief turning the stuff in. I think it was a miss on the coding side to allow that to happen, but it fits perfectly with lore, right? It fits perfectly with lore. The Ashen Lords are... On the Flameheart side, they're controlled by Flameheart. So why wouldn't they spawn on um, on uh, on Shipwreck Bay and stop you from turning in the Ghost Fleets? The final boss of most of the Ghost Fleets is Flameheart's Burning Blade. Of course, the Ghost Ships that are loyal to Flameheart are one hundred percent going to defend. Shipwreck Bay and keep you from getting in there. Is it an annoyance? Is it interrupting your enjoyment of the adventure? Sure, but it makes sense with lore. 
Now, what they could have done to make it more fair to stop that is they could have turned off the Ashen Lords like they turned off the volcanoes. And they could have made it so Belle has like a on her buoy that she has floating around wherever she's at. It could have shot a beam up in the air and put like a protective shield around like Shipwreck Bay. And that signifies that, you know, no ghost ships could spawn there and turn off ghost ships for Shipwreck Bay. That is something that they could have done, but what they didn't, what they did leaving it on, I think was a oversight. I think they didn't really realize that that would happen. I mean, rare has oversights all the time with their updates all the time. They put out things that they're like, Oh, we didn't see that in testing. Well, no, you're testing with, you know, internally, of course, you're not going to see that happen. And though you have insiders testing, I know many insiders, and I can tell you that some of the feedback that they provide, Rare listens to. But there's quite a bit that they just probably don't listen to or ignore. Um, but they could have made it more fair by turning off ghost ships and turning off the 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 ashen winds. But they didn't, and it makes sense in my mind for, for lore. And if you're upset about it, well, tough shit. You know, get a chest. Fill your chest with your dolls, run in, turn them in, and run out if you don't want to deal with the Ashen Lord. If you're dealing with ghost fleets, put your chest in a freaking rowboat, row in, turn it in, done, over with, just sail real close, jump off, turn it, fine, you're done, okay? You're done. You don't have to sit there and park, okay? Um, but either way, I think it makes sense on a lore standpoint. I do enjoy the ritual tables. The ritual tables are much like the ritual tables that we've seen throughout these adventures, uh, namely with the shrouded deep uh, ritual table when you uh, were summoning uh, the shrouded uh, ghost. Um, but what's interesting about these ritual tables, and and I, I need to do a little bit more of these to really see if it impacts it, but there's a flame in the center of the table, and it appears the flame grows bigger the more forts that your side has. And the table itself is a compass, if you didn't notice. And the um, the forts are the colors of the different uh, flames of fate. And they're actually positioned around the ritual table in the direction, the cardinal direction of which you would sail from that location to get to them. So I thought that was cool. And when uh, Bell or Flameheart raise their flag, there's a little tiny Flameheart or Bell flag that raises on the actual table. So you can see which forts are claimed by which size and which direction that fort is from you. I thought that was really cool. I hope they utilize that more in the future, maybe with some PvP stuff, maybe with some area control stuff, because it has really opened up the potential in the future as far as what claiming things could mean. Like you could each, they could institute it. So players had their own banner and they could, uh, you know, claim a fort and make it their own pirate hideout or something like that. There's a lot of things that this particular feature of raising a flag and claiming a location does for them in the future. So I hope they keep building on that. And then you can obviously have like little war maps and stuff around other forts and other places uh, to see who claims what and what's going on. I think this really opens the future and opens the door to endless possibilities of things that they could do in the future uh, to really change and impact uh, the world and how the pirates can interact with it. All right, let's get to um, let's get to my ratings. And then I've got a little bit of speculation uh, based on the uh, books 
Uh, specifically, specifically the Destiny book um, um, from the Reaper's Hideout on the Flameheart side. But let's get to my rating. So um, the last time uh, we had the last adventure, um, I developed a rating system to make sure each time I was rating these adventures, they would be rated identically. And we have Driving Story. So that is lore and driving story. How was the lore? How was the driving story throughout the entire thing? We have combat. Was the combat in it unique? Was it fun? Did it introduce new mechanics? Um, how was it, you know, how, how was the interaction as far as the combat? The reward, not looking at the title, but specifically looking at the cosmetic reward, technical implementation, and time investment. So that was our criteria. We're going to continue with that criteria this time. So first I want to start with driving story, lore and driving story. I rated this a three out of five for lore and driving story. Neither side has a different uh, way of speaking to you um, or any sort of voiceovers or any sort of change in their text box based on if you're on the opposite side's um, quest or not. I thought the trailers were very good. They were very hype. I thought the journals had some really interesting information on it, but I thought the story lacked drive. It was basically get the quest, take a fort, get the quest, take the fort, get the quest, take the fort. It, there wasn't really anything driving the story. And because in my mind, there wasn't anything showing what you're doing was impacting anything. The story was not driving forward for me. In fact, after I did, I did the flame art one a few times and I was like, okay, I just want to do the bell one to get this over with. Like there was nothing in the story that was driving me forward. Like it didn't matter if I was on, like I was, I was, you know, doing the flame, the, the flame art side, which again, I want to win so we can get rid of him quicker or the, the pen dragon side. It didn't matter. There was nothing driving me forward on it. You know, the biggest driving force of this particular adventure is the Spanish fort music. And that's always there. So three out of, uh, three out of, uh, five on that. And again, I think the only reason I rated it that high was I thought the journals were really good and gave some really cool information. And I thought the trailers were also good, but the actual gameplay I thought was very lacking on this and did not have a driving story combat one out of five. It was just recycled phantom forts. There was nothing new. There was nothing exciting. There was nothing um, surprising. There was nothing interesting as far as the overall combat of this. There was nothing. Zero. It was a phantom fort. That is it. It was recycled crap. There was, there was nothing. This could have been way better if there was some sort of hold the fort uh, feature, if there was some sort of PVP incentive, if there was a something that, that just invited something interesting. Hell, if you take a, if you take a fort for bell, you know, uh, or if you're taking a fort for bell, like ghost ship spawn that you have to fight um, at, before you claim it. If you're, if you're taking the fort for flame heart, you know, pen, uh, you know, pen dragons, ghost uh, ship friends show up and you have to fight them something interesting um but overall the combat was was it was just a phantom fort so one out of five really bad crappy boring the rewards i gave this a four out of five i thought the rewards were okay um but let me tell you why did it get a five out of five so i liked the um the homage to the festival of the dam with the six uh flames around them the symbol of the festival of the damned uh, obviously the symbol for bell the lantern um which you can get by doing the fort of the damned a couple times um that was kind of cool unique very uh very much something that we've not seen before on sales however the flame heart sales again it was a flame in the middle of flame 
flamed. We've already had flame heart sales from the flame heart. We, we've had sales with flames on them, right? We've had that before. Do something a little bit different. I thought the sales, uh, the sales sets were still a little too simple, um, but I thought they were good enough. I mean, they were both unique. It wasn't a reskin to anything, um, but to get a five out of five, I needed something a little bit more. Either the colors of the flames of fate were different colors. The flame on the flame heart boat um, was something different. I don't know. Maybe it's face put his face on there for all I care. That would be kind of cool. Um, but, uh, four out of five, the rewards were good, but again, not, not in my mind, uh, good enough for a five out of five. The last set of rewards were five out of five, uh, technical implementation. Uh, as it was just beat phantom forts, there was no technical flaws in my mind. Um, but I did give it a four out of five because of the community reaction around the soul flame captains, as it doesn't appear, um, there's any real good rhyme or reason that a soul flame captain is there aside from what I experienced, which is if you take a neutral fort where it's a phantom fort and you're trying to take it for your side, the soul flame captain is there. Um, I don't know. It, it it looked like it confused a lot of people as to why that um, you get three dolls, but there's no soul flame captain. It seemed very odd to the community. I gave it a four out of five. There were no major blugs, no major flaws, but there was definitely some confusion around instructions from the flames of fate, what you're supposed to do with those, which is nothing. And the soul flame captain, they could have done a little bit better job of guiding you and explaining that. Um, and they could have done a better job of evening out the amount of soul flame captains you get versus dolls. And then finally time investment. I gave it a five out of five. I thought this was perfect. It was quick and it was easy. It was a phantom fort. That's it. You could get in. You could do two phantom forts, one for Bell, one for uh, one for Flame Art. Do the specific ones with the journal and be done with this adventure. Excuse me. Hour tops. Um, from the time I logged in um, to the time I had claimed one fort um, was about 30 minutes. Of, of my time. So at the end of the day, I thought this was excellent. Um, I thought it was quick. Um, again, if you're on a bigger ship like a galleon and you've got to sail against the wind, well, tough shit. But I thought this was really quick. You could do both sides in probably an hour to an hour and a half. I thought this was perfect for the casual player. I thought this was perfect just across the board. And again, because it was so fast and so quick, it does encourage people to, pl uh, to, pl to play it over. And since it's not just a delivery mission, um, you do could you could have some combat in there with at least the phantoms um, with a chance for maybe some PVP. Um, I think uh, I, I think the time investment was good. So five out of five overall driving story three combat one reward four technical implementation four time investment five. That is a total of 17 out of 25 for this adventure score. That is a 68 percent D plus. And I think that sums up my overall feeling very well of this adventure. I thought it was meh. I thought this adventure had a great hype trailer. I was very excited to get my hands on this adventure. And then I was very let down in the overall just adventure itself. There's no tracking system to tell me how my side is doing versus the other side. There is no like interesting combat mechanic. It was just overall just a meh adventure. You take a phantom for it. It was reused content. And though the festival of the damn piece wasn't reused. Thank you, rare. The fact that there was nothing new and engaging with this particular adventure over a, just doing a regular phantom for aside from you need to turn in dolls to a certain place. That was the only new and interesting thing. So overall, I gave this adventure a meh and the criteria says 68% D plus. So there you go. 
All right. So the last couple of minutes, I want to give you a little piece of speculation. And this speculation, the start of the speculation, comes from a good friend of mine who I met at Sea of Thieves Fest and that we play on stream on Mondays, uh, Sales, with Sales and Tales with Zorvia, though we have been playing Destiny 2 recently uh, because of the seasonal grind there. There is a book on Reaper's Hideout. It is the Destiny book. Uh, Destiny 2 Destiny is a Destiny book, and it specifically calls out what happened to Stitcher Jim. So we know that Flame Art's skull was shattered by Fla uh, by Pendragon and the uh, Sword of uh, of Souls. However, he's got a head in the casket. Where'd the head come from? Well, the book, the Destiny book, if you read it on Reaper's Hideout, it states. That, that the Servant of Flame in this ritual is using Stitcher Jim's lifeless skull in order to transform it into a Flameheart skull to bring Flameheart back. So that is where the new skull is from in the new adventure where you see Flameheart with his skull. It is actually a transformed, using magic and the ritual stuff, Stitcher Jim's lifeless skull. Now what is really interesting <clears throat> is Zorvia mentioned well, Stitcher Jim, think about it. If they resurrect Flameheart and it's Stitcher Jim's skull, what happens? Could they do something cool with a multiple personality thing where sometimes Stitcher Jim like jumps in and like takes over and stuff like that? And it be got me it got me thinking a little bit. <clears throat> All right. Let's go back to the Herald of Flame and the lead up to the fight with Stitcher Jim at Molten Sands uh, Fortress. Stitcher Jim went back and forth. With does he betray Flameheart? Does he help us to stop Flameheart, or does he serve his master and 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 does what his master wants to resurrect him? What does he do? He went back and forth. He was clearly messed up. He was clearly confused. The the box of wondrous secrets he stared into the rage chest. He has been messed up a lot in the head now. So think about this. We know the Order of Strolls, regardless of the state of a skull, can extract its memories. Its memories are inside the skull. So imagine this speculation for when Flameheart does return, because we know it's going to happen based on everything we've read and seen. They have taken Stitcher Jim's skull, which it's lifeless because he's dead. So is Briggsy's skull, and they pulled the memories out of that bitch. It's a lifeless skull, but the memories are still intact and it's been transformed into Flameheart's skull. Now, we bring Flameheart back. Stitcher Jim is upset about the outcome of the Herald of Flame. He's upset about it. He doesn't he wasn't given enough power to do what he felt he was supposed to. And he already had in his mind that he was thinking about betraying Flameheart. Every good game story, what out there, a good redemption story is something people crave. Imagine this. Stitcher Jim's head is transformed into Flameheart. Flameheart is resurrected and Stitcher Jim is in his head constantly. And he has this split personality thing going back and forth where sometimes Stitcher Jim takes over, sometimes Flameheart's in control. But imagine if Fl Stitcher Jim, inside of Flameheart's new head, betrays him and is what leads to his downfall, giving Stitcher Jim 
a redemption story. He gets his revenge on Flameheart finally. Gets his redemption story, and we say bye-bye to Flameheart. What do you guys think of that? I think it sounds pretty cool. I think it sounds pretty fun. Let me know what you think in the comments section. Hit me up on Twitter. Join the Discord. All the links are in the description box below. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining uh, each and every week to Pirate Talk Radio. I really, really appreciate it. And again, if you would like to get the episode early or other swag pieces and you want to support the content financially, please go check out patreon.com slash TV and also come by the live streams, twitch.tv slash Guys, take care of yourselves and each other. I will see you the next time on Pirate Talk Radio.